Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Diva Behavior, the podcast. Oh, my God, have I got news for you guys. I got engaged this past weekend. I got engaged to my fiance like two hours after I recorded this episode of the podcast. So the spirit of diva behavior was with me. Um, the spirit of diva behavior was also with me after we got engaged and we drank a bottle of Veuve Clicquot Vantage. And it was really exciting, really fun. It was great to have some good news for once in this terrible pandemic. This is two weeks of good news in a row. I mean, first we had an inauguration that did not result in an insurrection. And now we have a freaking engagement. And speaking of engagement, oh my God, the social media numbers I was putting up this past weekend when I posted our engagement photos, my God, I have never seen these triple digits before. And I very quickly learned that I will not see those triple digits again until I probably have a child. So I just want to know... What is going on? Why are you guys slacking on liking my social media posts? Like, I can't get engaged every day. How come when I post a picture of me saying I got engaged, it gets 350 likes? And when I post, I don't know, a clip from my podcast, Diva Behavior, it gets four, if that. Can we rectify this, please? Now, I understand it's partially the algorithm's fault, but... Come on, guys. So I'm not going to talk too much in this intro. I really want to get to the episode, but I do want to issue a disclaimer that now that I am officially a fiance, I am going to talk about wedding stuff all the time. I love weddings. I think they're so fun. I love the opportunity to plan a party. It's my favorite thing in the world. So I'm going to talk about this stuff a lot. And I'm just going to play the diva card and say, hey, guess what? This is what's going on in my life, and I'm going to friggin' talk about it. I'm going to make memes about it. I'm going to make TikToks about it, guys. So if you have a problem with bridal TikTok, you should unfollow me now. But also don't because I need you. This week's episode is all about Holly Madison's book, Down the Rabbit Hole. Now, this book is amazing. It's one of the best celebrity memoirs. And obviously, if you listen to this podcast, you know that I am something of a celebrity memoir expert. It's great to read. It's great to listen to because Holly reads it in her voice and she does special voices for Hugh Hefner and all the other Playboy people. It's really a treat. And my guest this week is Mina, otherwise known on Instagram as at bae.doe, B-A-E dot D-O-E. She is one of my favorite people to follow on Instagram. She is full of wisdom and beautiful photos of herself and her gorgeous, brightly colored apartment. And I highly, highly recommend following her on Instagram and Twitter. Follow me on Instagram and Twitter as well, at Molly Mulshine. And please rate and review Diva Behavior on Apple Podcasts because it helps it get to more people. Also, if you want to check out 
Vix Layton's Comedy Arcade podcast this week. I was on that and I told a really, really terrible story about a time when I went to the gynecologist and they botched my colposcopy. That's all I'm going to say about that. If you want to hear more, go to Vix Layton's Comedy Arcade. And I also talked about the time that Kendall Jenner tried to get me thrown out of a party, which is a story I have never told on this podcast. And if you want to hear it, like I said, check out Comedy Arcade. Now, let's get to business. We're talking all about Holly Madison, all about Playboy, and why we should remember the Playboy models more than we remember Hugh Hefner. If there's one thing to take away from this episode, I hope it's that. Enjoy the episode. Some people think Diva is a diva to you. Would you say, are you one? I never said that. Diva behavior. Great, uh, great gowns, beautiful gowns. Of course, I don't trust you. Diva behavior, the podcast. Mina, I am so excited to have you on Diva Behavior to talk about this incredible piece of literature, Holly Madison's book. Yeah, I'm so excited too. I have so many thoughts about this. It's it was really like the funnest thing I read. What made you read it? I because saw, it came out years ago. Yeah, right. Um, I saw a review about it. And from the review, I kind of was like very nosy. I just wanted the tea, honestly. I was like, wait, she's actually like spilling a lot in this. Why is no one talking about this? I know. Whenever... Like when you're reading the book, every page, you're just like, oh my God, did that really just happen? Is this really real? It's crazy. And I feel like people, when it first came out, it did create kind of a splash, but, and like people were talking about it and and everything, but I feel like when it first came out, we all still just kind of took the whole Playboy Hugh Hefner thing for granted. Like we were all like, yeah, of course there's a 78 year old man with three girlfriends why would that not be the case but now it seems even crazier because so much time has elapsed so for you as someone who is a little bit younger than me what was your opinion of like the playboy universe when you were growing up how aware of it were you and stuff like that oh i was i thought it was so cool like i remember watching the show when i was just like 10 years old ish and I thought it was the coolest thing on earth. You know, you just see, first of all, the money. It's amazing. You live in a mansion. And I didn't see a problem with it, honestly. I I really was, like, brainwashed. I was one of the brainwashed people. And now that I look back at it, I'm like, how did we allow that? Like, how did we normalize any of that? Yeah, it is crazy to talk about. I I feel – or to think about. I feel like I had a different perspective on it because, like, my mom – is very much second wave feminist. So she's all about like kind of, I don't want to speak for her brand of feminism, but I feel like I kind of grew up thinking that it's not good to profit off of your body, which is a really messed up way of thinking. And it can just really, you know, mess with you. So I always thought this is a thing that happens. Like these women are models, but I need to make sure that I don't do that because for some reason, something is wrong with that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I totally get what you mean. I feel like um, for moms, that's really not far-fetched at all. I, my mom was kind of like that too, but um, it's almost better than I guess thinking it's the best thing on earth to me. Mm-hmm. Cause I yeah, feel like, I, uh, 
Yeah, because I think the the nuance that younger girls don't understand is like, yes, there is a way to be owning yourself and owning what you're doing and be in the position of being in the Playboy Mansion. And there's also a way where you're being exploited. And I think that's where it gets really tricky because you're watching these women and you're just like, okay, how much of this is them saying with a clear head, I've examined every single option in my life and this is for me. And how much of it is like Holly Madison being like, I guess this is the only way I'm going to get famous. So I'm going to do it. And Holly is so like open about that. She's, I just love it because I don't feel like it was too kind of shamey, but Mm -hmm. she did have moments of like, oh no, I'm definitely judging like myself, others. Like she was really open about that, I feel like. Yeah, that's so true. And she was really open about the fact that she wanted to do it because she thought it was her best shot at getting famous and having a career. And I feel like women are shamed for that so much. And she just kind of was like, no, yeah, this is exactly what I'm doing. Yes, yes. I really like that. And I feel like that was just the recurring thing throughout the entire book. Like she reminded us every so often, like I literally came here because I wanted to be famous and I'm still here and it's been five years and I'm still here for the same reason. Mm -hmm. And she also admits in the book, one of the big things when the book first came out that I remember people got angry about is that they were acting like she was ungrateful in some way, or like she was lying about not being in love with Hef. But she does say in the book that like she did convince herself to fall in love with him and she sort of talked herself into it. Oh, yeah. For all of the kind of harder moments, like, I feel like she reminded us that she did love him, like, no, through it all. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Because she's still a human being. And I feel like spending that much time with someone, you would eventually just either love them naturally or it'd be like on some Stockholm Syndrome stuff, you know? Yeah, like it was probably a little bit of a combination. Yeah, for sure. Because I don't think she actually really, really like naturally was able to fall fall in love with that man. Yeah. So did you watch um, Girls Next Door when it was on TV? Yeah, I did. I was way too young. I don't know how that was allowed. (laughs) (laughs) I know it was, it was so funny because it was such a like, the drama in it was very squeaky clean, you know, like it didn't really deal with adult themes. It just had a lot of nudity and these women were in a harem and that was just the only adult thing about it, I guess. It's kind of a weird show. It is a really weird show. And I guess now we know why, like she talks about how they weren't really allowed to have like drama that wasn't, that looked bad on Hef's part, Mm. which I feel like, cause his image surprisingly was really like clean too. There was not a lot of drama surrounding Hef. When I was growing up, I didn't hear a lot. Just like, you know, his appearances and how he's like, he's been a playboy his whole life. That's all I really heard. Yeah. It's, it's crazy how even also when he died a few years ago, people still just kind of were talking about all the good stuff, but there is a lot of obviously like really weird stuff that he did. Like, do you know about him with Marilyn Monroe, his kind of like obsession with her? Yeah. And isn't he actually, um, I know he's buried right next to her or something. Yeah. And it's so weird because she didn't really consent to that. She was never like, yeah, let me make 
let me have Hef be next to me. And she never consented to have her photos published in Playboy. And Mm -hmm. they were. And like, she just, it's just this really weird one-sided obsession that he had with her. And it just kind of, I guess, sums up his entire life, like the way that he sort of treated women. But it's also really tough because he also gave so many women a career. So I don't know. What are your thoughts on on that, on how he was as a person? Okay. So first of all, I read, um, this is just like a week ago and I, I'm pretty sure it was Brooke Shields. I'm like pretty sure I always confuse her and Denise Richards. I don't know why, but <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure it was Brooke Shields. And when she was 11 years old, 11 years old, Molly, her nudes were published in Playboy. <gasps> what? I'm not kidding. It's You can Google it. I would suggest not Googling it. Oh, yeah. But, that could get me on a watch list. Yeah, but it's there. It is there. Um, yeah, so I... I don't, I don't know how any of this was ever like allowed, but it gets worse. Like when you go down the actual rabbit hole, it gets mm-hmm. really, really bad. So yeah, I don't know. He's such a weirdo. Yeah. It's weird because I feel like in the mid 20th century from like the sixties onward, and especially in the sixties and seventies, there was this mindset of sexual liberation and, at the time, it must, it must have been so confusing for women because there was all of this rhetoric going around about, oh, we're liberated, we're liberated, but it really only extended to men. So if you were in an environment where men were talking about being sexually liberated, what they meant was we can look at pictures of 11-year-olds naked or like we can hook up with as many women as we want. And that liberation was not extending to the women at all. And it just... He he got all this credit as being this liberating force for American sexuality, but it's like it was so one-sided. Yeah. Like how many of the women's names do we actually know? Right. That's so true. Yeah. It's like you could have been Playmate of the Year. And I, I promise you, even back then, people did not really like know who these women actually were. Mm-hmm. And they had to deal with the stigma of being part of like the Playboy brand and everything because, you know, the the whole brand, it's like Hef being propped up on top of the bodies of like, it's like a pyramid scheme where Hef is at the top and there's just like naked women underneath him propping him up. And he's the only real like superstar. All the women that are involved are kind of people sort of discard them. Yep. And it's crazy because he really does not allow them to work with anyone else while they're working with Playboy, which is so unrealistic. And it's such a like narcissist thing to do. Like, you know, when they just try to isolate you as much as possible, it it was like being done to Holly throughout the entire book. Yeah. The fact that these, his girlfriends were grown women and they had a curfew. Oh, we have to get into that because yeah. that boggles my mind. And like, the times that they talk about, okay, I broke curfew. You're a grown woman talking about you came home later than 9 p.m. You did not like break curfew, yeah. you know, like that's, there's no reason to want someone home at 9 p.m. Yeah, I think it it kind of proves like the, the amount that they had to 
control the girlfriends. It just proves that they knew that if the women became too powerful, they would be in danger of eclipsing Hef as stars. So they had to sort of keep them under their th- under the Playboy thumb so that they couldn't do their own thing. It's so terrible. Right. And I remember there's like um, this one time that she talks about someone, I'm not sure if it was her, but someone broke curfew and Hef was like, sobbing crying yes and he became like this small to me because i'm like how is this man that we thought was so cool like you know you're crying like you're just a really old sad man who cries when someone comes home later than 9 p.m right and it was probably like crocodile tears too like it was totally manipulative and everything it's really the other thing about him is like I don't know. The first time I read this book was when it first came out and I didn't really know a lot about like narcissism and manipulation and emotional abuse. So I didn't really put it that together with him. I just was like, Oh, he was, he just sucked. But now reading it with that, with a little bit of a better understanding of that, I'm like, Oh, he was like a full on manipulative narcissist. Like he was not really a normal guy. Yeah, when when people ask me about the book, I really do tell them that I think it's more a story of a woman and her observing her observing emotional abuse to like the highest level for so many years and it was honestly when I started reading it it was less about like the name dropping and the tea and it became more about like oh my god, she's like really describing it to a T back then. And I know that must've been so hard. Yeah. So what, what were you expecting from the book versus what you got? I was expecting more, um, you know, drama name dropping. I did get that. It was so fun to read. Like I loved the little celebrity mentions. Like when she talks about Paris Hilton and like meeting her and her Paris's interactions with Hugh Hefner, it was so interesting to me. You know, I would have never known any of that had happened, but Mm -hmm. it mostly what I got out of it was mostly like, like I said, like a woman describing like manipulation and emotional abuse to a team. Yeah. And I think it also, it sort of just shows the way that women are sort of ground up and spit out by the entertainment industry. And it's a really extreme example because it's a woman who's basically having to sleep with a man in order to get her career. Literally, like that is part of the, I mean, it's not part of the literal job description, but you know, going in that you have to do that. And it's just, I feel like it's just so interesting because there are probably so many other women who weren't even involved with Playboy who had a really, really similar experience, you know, like even like Mariah Carey with Tommy Mottola, like there are so many examples of women who are so talented and so charismatic and just, you know, have star quality. And these men just sort of you know, convince them that they need the men in order to get famous and survive and just treat them like crap. It's, it's really crazy. Yeah. And when you really um, think about it, she was a really good businesswoman. Like she was really savvy. I feel like when she did get any opportunity, she jumped at it, like any little playboy opportunity, she created so many like amazing ideas for them. Imagine what she could have done in like those seven years if she was not with Hugh Hefner. 
Oh, I know. Also, it just sucks because it it really is a lot of the time a story of what it's like to be working class and try to make it in entertainment and not be like a nepotism star or someone whose dad is like a lawyer or an accountant. You know what I mean? Like she basically moved into the mansion because she was getting evicted from her house. Right. Yeah. That's the saddest start, but yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, I kind of relate like, Right? No, fully. I Who wouldn't do that, honestly? Yeah. It was just something that was there for her and it was a, a safety net. And it just really shows how, you know, women who are going into entertainment coming from a background where their parents aren't paying their rent are having a totally different experience than the ones who are like, you know, like Margaret Qualley or something. Like someone who's just has a famous parent and they're sort of like going on auditions and everything. It just... It shows how how unequal it is, I guess. I'm sure she thought it was like glamorous, just like we all did. I feel like when she oh, yeah. first moved in, she started seeing the signs when she would see like kind of the other girlfriends, like the one that she calls the main girlfriend, like Tina, kind of like try to push him onto Holly as much as possible. I feel like that was her first red flag of like, okay, why are they doing this? Yeah. Like, let's talk about the ritual that they would do. They would, it, it's like, this is like the beginning of when she gets in to the fold, the playboy fold. Like I think Hef had seven girlfriends at the time or something. And it's also really funny how his amount of girlfriends ebbs and flows with like how well the brand is doing. <laughs> God, I can't afford to have that many. Yeah. Cause he would have to pay rent for each girlfriend's bedroom. And didn't he like not even yet own the mansion? Right. It's like the like Playboy owns the mansion and it was all smoke and mirrors. He was like, I think she compares it to like the man behind the curtain in Wizard of Oz. Uh huh. Mm -hmm. He's like so mysterious to us. And meanwhile, this man is like paying rent just like the rest of us. That's so weird. And how dirty the mansion was, how there was like dog poop everywhere. Oh my God. When she said it smelled like the carpet smelled like pee and like, there were stains. It's just not how I imagined it or even saw it. Like even when you would see it, it just looked, you know, like it kept up with, it didn't look crazy. But the fact that she said it smelled like pee in there, really, that's when I was like, oh, everything is a lie. Everything I've yeah. ever heard is a lie. Yeah. So, so when she gets invited to hang out with the girls and everything, he's like you said, this girl, Tina, who brought her in was sort of pushing her on Hef sexually after they all went out to the club. And then, oh my God, there's the, when they're in the club, Hef offers her a quaalude. Oh, I just, I screamed. I hope you know, reading that chapter, I screamed the whole time. It was secondhand embarrassment, thirdhand embarrassment. Yeah. There was a lot going on. And then the fact that he would call them thigh openers. <laughs> I can't, I can't. No, I really can't. I'm sorry. It's uh, thinking about a 70 year old man saying that is it's a lot to process. Yeah, it's terrible. It's yeah. like it's like Bill Cosby kind of behavior. Yes, yes. The literal only difference is that at least these women knew that they're being offered something. Yeah, but oh, to say that out loud, I don't know if it's like an old man thing. Like no one takes those for like casually now i feel like we have we've moved on to other drugs and the fact that the girlfriend quaaludes is so funny to me 
I know it's so seventies. It's so like it's like oh, let's have like a fondue party and then we'll take some quaaludes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like offering, quail, offering someone quaaludes. Okay, yeah. whatever. Wild. So then when they get home, I can't believe, and it always it almost ruined flannel pajamas for me forever. <laughs> is that whenever they would get home from the club, they would all the women would have to put on matching flannel pajamas, and then they would go in with Hef and do the weird like sex ritual. It was like seven women, I believe. Like at the first time she went, mm-hmm. I think it was like seven or eight women or something like that. And just the way she describes it, like that's the initiation. Like once you do that, then you can like ask to move in. And it's classic, like what you imagine, like, okay, the industry to be like, like, okay, I have to have sex with this really, really old man. And then I'll be like, you know, accepted. But it went went from worse to worser, though. Oh, yeah. A hundred percent. And also, like, yeah, I mean, the fact that they had to do that weird sex thing once a week, the fact that it only happened once a week makes me think that not even Hef was that into it. And he just kind of was like, well, I guess I have to at least do this once a week. Yeah. At that age, though, like, is anyone really going to be that into it? Also, I'm sure that the... um. I'm sure he had to have something prescribed for that. There's no way that that old man was doing anything by himself. Oh, 100%. Yeah. That was probably just to like weirdly keep up the image. Yeah. Yeah, I think so too. Like he was like, I need these girls to be spreading the story around town, around Hollywood, that I am still virile and I have group yeah. sex once a week. One, one, <laughs> once each calendar week. Yeah, on the dot at this very scheduled time. Yeah. With everyone in flannel pajamas. And he <sighs> like, I pay rent around here, so I might as well get something out of it, I guess. <laughs> seriously it can't all just be for appearances so was were there any moments like during this early time when she's starting to get her footing and move into the house were there any moments when you kind of questioned her actions or the whole time were you just like i get it i did get it but that's like we said because she was like getting evicted i i totally understood like she's not just like this bored girl who was just like oh let me move in for fun she had a plan. She came in with a plan. She wanted to be playmate of the month. It was, I feel like it was reasonable. It didn't seem that far-fetched to me. And I didn't honestly remember when she did get playmate of the month. So I was like, oh, this is going to be great. She's going to get it in like, what, a year or two tops? Oh, yeah. He would like hold that over their heads. Yeah. Because they knew that once he gave it to one of them, they would they always ended up either leaving the mansion or just like acting up kind of like, which I support. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like they should, you know, get what they need out of the situation and, and just bounce. And also she really pointed out and that made me dislike Hef even more. The fact that he treated the celebrity playboy models so differently from everyone else. Like he would treat Paris Hilton, like you mentioned, or, um, Carmen Electra or Pam Anderson, like whenever any of them came to visit, they would really like roll out the red carpet for them. And he would be so respectful because like he knew that they, their brand was bigger than Playboy and like he needed them, but then he would treat all of the girlfriends like yeah. crap. No, I was going to say his ex-wives too, like the ones that he actually has children with, it seemed like he respected them more as humans too. 
Yeah, definitely. Which is also just such a typical like 20th century mm-hmm. male way of viewing things. Exactly. It was like um, the celebrity thing. It also made him look really lame that he would get so smitten over like celebrity women. Right. Like you're famous too. Right, dude. Like you're famous as well. Like if you're going to treat women like crap, you might as well treat them all like crap because it's just weird. Like, why are you like all smitten over Paris Hilton. You're also like a millionaire. Yeah, totally. The other thing that really bothers me about the way that people remember his legacy is that, you know, like we were talking about before, they all said he was so important for sexual liberation and everything. And he also got a lot of credit for sort of, you know, pushing diverse looks in magazines, which is really crazy to me because I guess- Yeah, like they they would say like, oh, he, you know, he would have women of color on the cover. He actually had a transgender woman on the cover long, long, long before anyone was even talking about that, which you have, I mean, I have to hand it to him. That's awesome. That is awesome. Yeah. But like, other than that, it's like he would pick women of color who still fit the exact same specifications and body measurements that he liked do you know what i mean Mm -hmm. yeah he loved um i wouldn't even say loved he just really could not handle anyone in that mansion growing an inch or more like i remember i sent you that video there's like this video of trisha paytas where she talks about her experience where she would like go to these parties and half came up to her one time and like started like like pinching her stomach and was like Uh uh-oh, looks like it's going to be your last time at the mansion. And it really was her last time at the mansion. So disgusting. That is so gross. Like the amount of damage that he did to women with his very rigid beauty standards that he imposed on the magazine and made like uplifted only this one type of beauty. Like I know that it's affected me, you know? Uh huh. Cause it's like the epitome of when you think of like a woman's mag, like not a woman's magazine, but like a magazine with women in it and only women. It's the epitome of sexy when you're growing up. It's like, oh, a playboy playmate. Like, and it, it is a little bit more diverse, I would say, than most of the other like things we saw growing up, but it was still like the same thing because I never had a flat stomach. I don't know, not even when I was little. So it was never like, oh, wow, that could be me one day. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, same. I always just was like, I'm just, I'm, you know, <laughs> this is not for me. And that's sad because it makes you feel or it made me feel when I was little. I was like, okay, so those are like the pretty people and I'm not that. So like, I better just work on my personality. <laughs> right. And when I was watching the show, I was like, I need to get really funny. But the like Holly... When I would watch um, the show, I was always like, well, she's the main girlfriend because she's like, obviously the prettiest. She's so pretty. And now I realize I just thought that when I was little because it's what was fed to me. I do think Holly is very pretty, but reading the book, it made me realize like not even Hugh thought she was that pretty. Like, no, he would say such terrible things to her. And I think it was so blatant that he did think that she was actually the least pretty, which is so weird. Yeah, I think he knew that she was willing to kind of go the extra mile for him and sort of not be a doormat because that is terrible to say. But I think that's probably why he made her the main girlfriend, right? 
Definitely. And growing up, I was so naive to think like, oh, she's the prettiest. Duh. Like it, it wasn't really like even watching her, Bridget and Kendra. I always thought that Holly was like gorgeous and come to find out he was over here. Like you're plain, basically making her feel really plain, like saying she doesn't photograph well, which is crazy to tell someone who's like a part of your Playboy brand, which is only photographs. Yeah, it's so crazy. And it was definitely designed just to keep her down and make her feel like she couldn't leave because he needed those girls for like his status and everything. Yeah. And they're the only ones who were staying. Let's be I know. I like I never realized until I read the book um, just how they were like you said, sort of barred from being in the photos and being in the magazine. Like I always assumed that if you were a girlfriend, it meant that you were already a playmate of the year at some point, but it actually was literally just a device to keep them around. And they would hold the photo shoots over their heads and be like, Oh, if you are well-behaved enough, then you can get in the magazine. Like I had no idea that that's what it was. Me either. I really like just assumed that this is probably like, like when on the show when they were first doing like their photo shoots, I'm like, oh, well, you've probably done a bunch of other photo shoots before. Yeah. And they didn't. They were just people that like hung out at the mansion and like looked good. The only reason I feel like they even got the photo shoot was because of the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And the show, oh my God, the way that they took advantage of them for that show was like, didn't you just want to pull your hair out reading those parts? Yes, it was crazy. Like, especially now being a woman in any field, in any field, you would just think like, oh, clearly, if it's my face, my name, that's making this thing famous, I should be getting like a really big cut. Mm -hmm. And they got paid, I don't have the number here, but they got paid an absurdly low amount. And they didn't Mm -hmm. make any money off of like, giving their likenesses to the to E Network or whatever. Yeah, it was so bad. And they really didn't even get to make a lot of decisions either. Yeah, like they were just sort of put in all these like situations where they were they were made to look sort of like bimbos and they had no like control over it really. And they I got so mad at the part where they said um it said they told them that they couldn't have any nudity on the show because everything would have to be blurred out because it was cable, obviously. And then halfway through the first season, someone realized that nudity could be shown in foreign television markets and on DVDs. So they started prioritizing getting them nude as often as possible on camera. And they never told them that they weren't going to blur it out on the foreign releases or on the DVDs. That is so messed up. Like, that is really crazy. And, and for you to not even be making any money off your literal like body and nudity is absurd to me. Oh, I get so angry when I think about it. Like he really was such an evil little man. <laughs> yeah, just terrible. And like they would always kind of make it out to Holly, Kendra and Bridget that they were lucky to be there and that they were interchangeable. And the best thing is that when they left the mansion, the show started tanking. Oh, yeah, that and um, they openly I think Holly well coming out with this book while he was alive. I love it. I love it. I hope I know he read every page. That Mm -hmm. man is so obsessed with his image. A part of the book that I really like stuck out to me is when she would talk about him scrapbooking everything like he has pictures of his every appearance in a scrapbook. He has like how many like she described like a room being full of scrapbooks. So this man was just like really obsessed. Like he would go out, make an appearance, 
come back home, Google himself, like, you know, print out the pictures, see what everyone was saying about him. Of course, it was the same headline, like, every single time, like, Hugh Hefner with his girlfriends. And he loved it. Like, he loved his image and himself so much. He would collect all of these pictures of every single thing that he did in his life, which, side note, is really, like, a good idea. I should start doing that. But (laughs) for him to do it is so weird because he only did it with, like, what the tabloids were saying about him and like paparazzi pictures. And of course I know for a fact he sat down and read, read this book. Oh, a hundred percent, probably at least once, maybe like four times. Uh-huh. And the, the crazy thing is women who go into entertainment, especially women who go into entertainment through the like Playboy channel are going to be called fame whores. And it's like the only person in that house who was obsessively scrapbooking their every waking moment was him. Yeah. Like, <laughs> the women were the doing fame whore. He is the fame whore. Like he was, it was all so contrived, which is like so obvious now. It's so obvious. Like anyone listening to this is going to be like, yeah, of course. But it wasn't like that. Like growing up, it did not feel like that. It felt so authentic. It felt like, no, this man is like, he's been around for a long, long, long time. And he earned his spot, you know, like he's working hard. He had this brand since he was just like a young man. So it's really crazy now to think that we actually like let him get away with that and actually did like, we helped with his image. Like we all had a part in being like, oh yeah, Hugh Hefner is kind of cool. Like, look at all these like really beautiful women that hang around him all the time. Like there's no reason not to. Yeah. Oh, it's so embarrassing because we all, you're right. We all did it. We all like enabled that sort of, ugh. It's, it's crazy to think that like while she was in that house, like basically having the worst time of her life, we were all like, oh, queen. wish i was you (laughs) yeah it's crazy because like i know people from previous jobs that i've worked who remind me of hugh hefner just like in the way that they would be pursuing fame and fame for themselves and a brand for themselves and as a consequence of that they ended up making some really cool content because they were just so obsessed with getting to that point of being that that type of household name brand that they would be like, okay, we have to do this. And they actually would come up with good ideas. But it's so funny because it just seems like the hardest way to come up with good content. <laughs> do you know it what I mean? Does, it does, right? It really does. That's like, oh my God, you're just better off doing it by yourself or not doing it at all. Yeah. Or just doing it because you actually care about what you're saying and not because you're like, what's the thing I can say that will make me the next Hugh Hefner kind of thing. Yes. It's so weird seeing people now kind of try to take that spot. First of all, I don't think anyone can or should. Like, I don't think anyone's ever going to be known as like, oh, okay, the playboy. Like men now, they just like date a lot of women and we're already kind of like, oh, we don't like you. Why are you doing that? Yeah, finally. Like finally for the first time in human history. Mm -hmm. We don't like that (laughs) anymore. It's really outdated. It was outdated when it was happening. Yeah. Yeah. Do you see people who you think are trying to like take up that Playboy mantle? I feel like I see it more with like actors. Like I feel like people are finally like the Leo jokes are so funny now because people are finally like, hey, Leonardo DiCaprio, we've noticed that you only date women 
under the age of 25. What's up with that? So I do think that it's like, it can't happen because first of all, people are already like disgusted by just like you dating like so many women. Why is it that we can name like 50 women who are under 25 that you've dated? Yeah. And it is, yeah, you're right. It is like a punchline now, even like with Scott Disick, it's like everyone just talks about how he's like, his, his girlfriends are like young enough for him to adopt. Yeah. It kind of backfires and I'm not sure if it actually really affects them, but I know that the general public does not like, like it the same way they used to. Totally. And it's also like a shorthand. If you meet a guy who's into that, you're like, oh, okay, this guy's extremely immature and let me move on. Like that guy, Dan Bilzerian, have you ever heard of him? Yes. yes. Yeah. He tried it. it. Yeah. I feel like he gave up. I haven't heard anything from him in a while. Me either. I think he's kind of like a punchline too when people talk about him and not in like the cool way of like, oh, this guy's always surrounded by women. Like he's like an actual punchline when people are like, are you serious? Like, how much do you pay these girls? Right. And like, how hard are you trying to to seem like this thing that you're probably not at all? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So what were some of the other really like shocking things to you in the book? Um, When Bridget first, no, no, no. When Kendra first moves in, it's weird because at first, it does almost seem like Holly is like a little too angry with Kendra. So I'm like, what happened? Like, I need to know what happened. Like, cause from the jump, she calls Bridget, her best friend. And I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, that makes me really happy. At least one of you guys is like still friends. So I was really interested to see what Kendra did. And Once she started talking about, like, the immaturity, it kind of clicked right away because Kendra always does seem, like, immature. You know, she was just, like, literally known for, like, her laugh and, like, you know, just being extra, like, clumsy. And she she gave more bimbo than any of them. Yeah. Also, she was, like, 19. Yes. She actually was, like, a child. So Yeah. That's what's so crazy. Like so many people, when I used to work more kind of in like the fashion world, people would be like, oh, all the models must be so dumb. Right. And I would always be like, well, they're, some of them are literally 16 years old. Like, what do you want? (laughs) I'm like, I wouldn't even say immature actually. So, because she's probably just as mature as a 19 year old can be. Yeah. 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 Totally. She was, yeah, she was immature because she was not mature yet. She was 19. Like, (laughs) So that was crazy. And so when she describes Kendra moving in and Hef just being like in love with Kendra, which makes sense. Come on. Like she's the youngest, like cutest new little toy that he has. And he basically pinned them against each other from the start. So that wasn't surprising at all because Mm -hmm. she does talk about how Hef hated obviously drama involving him, but he loved women fighting over him. And he would Mm -hmm. ensure that, the women were fighting over him often. Like he would always make sly little remarks, like just, just to get something riled up. And then he would just be like, ladies, 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 the drama, like shut up, old man. You literally created all of the drama in that house. Those women did not need to hate each other at all. Like, even though some of them did seem like they were shady, if what Holly's saying is like, you know, well, either way it's her experience. So, she did she did feel like a lot of the women didn't like her, which I'm sure, like, come on, 
Hef probably like he's a messy old man. Yeah. Also, I think yeah, I wanted to talk about this because she called the women in the beginning when she first moves into the mansion, she calls the other women the mean girls, which I just hate that that phrase in general. Like I wish we could go back in time and keep Tina Fey from inventing the mm-hmm. term mean girls because yeah. I'm just like, okay, how about mean people? It's not a gendered thing. Like men yeah. start wars. Do we really need to focus on girls being mean? Like, I don't know. But so I I just felt like, did you, did you feel like maybe it was justified for her to call them mean girls? Or do you think that, I, I feel like they were just all in a terrible situation and it was never going to be good anyway. It was, yeah, there was no way that those girls were ever going to like each other. I'm sorry. You guys are literally competing. Like, you know that mm-hmm. it's not even like, oh, competing for a man's love and affection. It's like, no, like literally for a job, for something very specific, you guys are competing for that. So I don't, I wouldn't ever like call, first of all, it's just so corny to call someone a mean girl. Like mm-hmm. you can come up with something better than that. But also I don't think anything that they really did was, I don't think it was warranted. Like, I don't think anything, I don't think being mean is the end of the world. I don't think that they did anything to like kind of violate her. So I know back then it must have felt like the end of the world for her because she actually had to like live through that in the mansion. But I don't think they were like mean girls. Yeah, I, I think that's so smart to to frame it as they were competing over a job because they were. And it's like, you know, it's our own sort of sexist society that makes it like obviously they're competing for Hef's attention and it's like no they don't actually not actually all like this guy's amazing they hated his attention like they would push the whoever was new forward like like vultures like they would make sure that they did not get Hef's attention because this book also taught me that you know what actually no one wants to have sex with a 70 year old man (laughs) like I don't know why I thought, like, I'm like, no, there are some probably, like, sexy, rich 70-year-old men out there. No, no one wants to have sex with a 70-year-old man. Yeah. I Well, maybe if you were also 70, but also I'd probably be like, give me a break by then. Exactly. Like, I don't even think 70-year-old women want to have sex with 70-year-old men. Yeah, definitely not. I I was really fascinated by and wanted to learn more about how Holly was able to maintain friendships with Bridget and Kendra when they were having group sex once a week. Uh, it's just, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, no, I feel you. Like, how could you just be like, I guess they were just all truly faking it. Like she says, she doesn't really go into what it was like to have to be intimate with these two women, like, because they were literally like sister wives, basically. And she was so close with them. They were her best friends while she was in there. And she doesn't really talk about the fact that they had to do this. And she talks in the beginning how all the women are faking it and they're all pretending to be really into it. But I don't know. I just am like, that is really, that would be fascinating to me to understand understand what that friendship dynamic is like because it's so crazy I think it's because um at the beginning she describes that because during the group sex because the lights are so kind of like dim like if you really looked at the girls faces which I'm sure like him being like that kind of old he didn't he probably couldn't see that well but (laughs) she, she describes like how they would like be making funny faces and stuff and like 
like literally make like a joke out of it because he couldn't see mm-hmm. that well and he thought they were being sexy. They would kind of go over the top, make funny faces, stuff like that. And they're already used to, you know, like seeing each other naked. So to them, it's just like, okay, now we're just seeing each other naked. And there's a really old man be- in, you know, between us. And I feel like because it was a joke, it was like not that big of a deal to them. Yeah, I think that's so. That's probably exactly it. Like they got de- desensitized to it after a while. Yeah, it's like, and they were just like, "Oh, now it's time for us to do this ridiculous thing again." Yeah, it's just like this silly little thing we do once a week. Haha, <laughs> we're so random. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so, what? How did it change? How did this book change your opinion of like the entertainment industry and show business, or did it? everything's fake like that's all i can think of we already knew reality tv was all fake i knew that i'm not i'm no dummy i knew that but now i'm like no like there's it's one thing to be fake and like scripted because people do live for drama like let's that's the reason i picked up this book so i'm not mad at it but it's not the girls that i'm side-eyeing it's like the men now i'm like because these men can seem so chill on tv like who's to say like all of the little like side male characters on reality TV aren't like fully there and fully contrived. Now I'm like, how many of you are actually like these people who are so laid back and don't care. This man had a scrapbook of every single moment that he's ever, you know, like stepped out and him seeing, seeming so chill, like, Oh, let me just let these girls do their thing. And I'll be like in the back kind of, and now we know that's contrived too, because he would like make sure that, Every episode, even when he wasn't in the mansion, he would like have a phone call in the episode that would kind of be like what the plot line was around. Yeah. Yeah. It's it, it's crazy. I was watching. Do you watch Real Housewives of New York City? No, but I need to. I heard it's amazing. Oh, my God. It's so good. But so Beth, do you know who Bethany is? Yes. Bethany Frankel. Yeah. So she had a spinoff a few years ago and it just came onto the British like reality tv network that i subscribe to which is amazing it has every reality show from america like you can't get them all in one place in the u.s but you can here it's amazing but so the show came just came out on there and it's called bethany getting married and there's this little cutesy scene where she's supposed to be interviewing assistants because she needs a new assistant and you know how when you're watching something on amazon prime it shows the names of the actors yes like i looked at it while that scene was going on and it shows that every single person in that scene was an actor like they all went on to have an acting career oh, so it's of course that's so funny yeah like and it's not really too surprising but it's just funny to see it laid out like that because like whenever they filmed it 10 years ago they weren't like expecting that it was going to be that easy to put the names together in the future and it's just like yeah they're just literally all fake actors yeah, that's why it was so funny when you I would watch like dating shows growing up, which first of all, where were my parents? Where were they? Because <laughs> apparently I was just watching anything, but um I would watch like, you know, like Flavor of Love and um all of those, but mm-hmm. there was always like one plot line where they would be like, "Oh, we think so and so is just here um to use you. They want to be an actor, babe. I actually love you." And that was always so funny to me. I'm like, wow, they must actually really love him because they're outing this like other actor on screen. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's so pure. Right? Yeah. But, yeah. 
So you're like, you're really good at branding yourself, I feel like online and I'm terrible at it. And no, you're so good at it. I love your new bangs, by the way. Oh my God. Thank you. Amazing. I'm like, I did the lockdown bangs and I actually think I'm going to keep them forever because I feel like it, it's working and I like it. The only thing is they get so crazy whenever I work out and I'm like, I need to figure out a way to to get around that, but I'm sure there's a way. But when they're like, they're amazing. Like they frame your face so good. Oh, thank you so much. That means so much. Cause I've also been trimming them myself because (laughs) the UK has been locked down again for like two months. You shouldn't have blown up your own spot. Oh, thank you. But (laughs) so what, how do you do it with the branding? Like you're so good at it. How much thought do you put into like what you're going to put up on Instagram and everything? Like, are you like how far between the spectrum of like normal and Hugh Hefner scrapbooking his entire life are you? I think it's like half and half because I think there's different things for each app has its own, you know, like what you do on there. Like, for example, obviously Instagram, I feel like is a very, very branded app. Like I'm obviously not just going to post my every unfiltered thought on there. Sometimes the story Mm. option is fun for that. But then you go on Twitter and that's when you'll be like, oh, okay. Like basically everyone's a mess just like me. Like even all these people on Instagram who like are perfect, they go on Twitter and it's like, it's either like a mess or they just, you know, overshare like we all do. It's really fun. I would suggest. Yeah. I feel like I overshare on Instagram too, though. I've just, I use Instagram like a millennial instead of Gen Z. Like I feel like the curated thing is more Gen Z and the millennial thing is like writing in a way message and putting it on Instagram, basically. Right. right. And this whole Finsta thing messed it up the most. Yes. That's the thing. Like when I, cause we did that thing with you guys at Galore, the Finsta thing. Yes. I didn't know what Finstas were before that. And I was like, oh, I'm actually using my real Instagram like a Finsta. <laughs> this is a problem. Oh my God. No, I actually hate Finstas. Like I don't want to, I think all they do is kind of cause drama and like allow you to overshare it's, I just, I don't know. I don't use Finstas. I haven't used it in, I would say like three years because yeah. I just feel like if I'm going to put it on the internet, I can't just like, let's be real. If it's that juicy and good, it's being shared anyways. Like it's, it takes one second to take a screenshot. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Look at Army Hammer's Finsta last week. Oh, a mess, a mess girl. Yeah. I'm so scared. I actually always made fun of his name, like Army Hammer, like the brand. And then I found out he actually is the heir to the brand. And I'm like, wow, my life just hit a like 360 kind of. Right. Okay. That's actually a perfect example of someone who's trying to be this like cool sex guy and uh-huh. failed miserably. Like, don't you think whenever he was sending those DMs to girls, he was probably like, ooh, I'm like a modern day Hugh Hefner. I'm like texting all these girls and they're all my subs at once. 100%. And so backfired. And he takes himself so seriously. Like, you know, he's not one of those people that I really see on social media or in like any news headlines, unless it's like a movie coming out. So I know this must've shaken up his whole world on top of that. He was like married. I think he is married. Yeah. They're they're not divorced yet. Yeah. So he's married. This is like awful. This is so awful. The fact that this was all happening while he was married is just like the cherry on top. Yeah. His poor wife. She's gorgeous too. Yeah, she is. She deserves so much better. This is insane. And he has kids. Like that's really embarrassing. 
Yeah. And I feel like the stuff he was saying was so corny. Like, I really don't think that he's really a cannibal. <laughs> because I don't understand. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like he was just trying so desperately hard to be cool and be edgy and be like the craziest guy. And now everyone thinks <laughs> that he literally eats people for lunch. <laughs> Oh my god, it's like half the internet is like joking about it and then the other half is so serious that I'm kind of scared. I'm like, did I like miss something? Like, did he do something like, you know, like really messed up that I don't know about? Because some people are like really angry with him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I who knows? I guess maybe more will come out. I'm sure more will come out. This is the thing is like, if you're going to have a cannibalism scandal, you don't want it to happen in the middle of a pandemic when there's no other celebrity news. Yeah. <laughs> like, he, he just had to like cancel, like going, like shooting his next film. Good for you. Take some time. Think about what you've done. Yeah. Eat some regular ribs. Pretend they're human. It. Scratch that itch. Things like that. You don't text, you know, like it's just, it's awkward for everyone. I don't yeah, know. Especially, yeah, the screenshots were like under his real name. I don't even know if I feel bad for him, but I know that I just wouldn't even want that to happen to my worst enemy. Like it makes me cringe. Yeah, it's painful. It really is. Do you have anything else you want to talk about about Holly? Yeah, a few things. So um, a part of the book that I really thought was so like raw kind of is when she says um that this was kind of like towards the end of her years at the playboy mansion and she says that she first came to the mansion to get playmate a playmate photo shoot and get famous but now she feels like she wants to get famous so she can get a play playboy shoot which was like insane to hear Mm -hmm. her say and she knew it she was like that was one of the first things like when she had that thought that was one of the first things where she was like I've officially lost my mind and like a sense of reality right because she was like she's like I'm here in this house and I can't even get this thing yeah and now I want to get famous to prove to Hugh Hefner that I am good enough to be you know a playmate which is so crazy like she literally had these like huge goals and dreams coming in. And now she felt like at the end of it, her end goal was to have a playboy shoot. Yeah. Oh, oh my God. How bad was it when she started dating Chris Angel? That was first. It was amazing. At first I was like, he kind of low key Chris Angel got her out of that house. In my opinion, I feel yeah. like he didn't find him and find like that little puppy love that wouldn't it wouldn't like she just wouldn't have been motivated yeah like there's such a stigma around like rebound relationships but sometimes it's literally what you need to get yourself out of a terrible toxic relationship exactly exactly and at first it just seemed like oh he's like this cool guy it's vegas like she needs like a change of everything and it was really disappointing that he was like actually even crazier he was actually scary like Hugh Hefner did not scare me Chris Angel like scared me when she was talking about him I agree completely. He really seemed like he could snap one day. He just seemed like a terrible person. And I'm glad that he's now faded into obscurity. I never would have thought of his name again if I didn't read. I know. I was like, wait, that sounds so familiar. And like, okay, I guess I've heard of him a couple of times. But I really liked that um, when she was leaving Playboy, like Hugh wanted her to stay. And so they shot like for the last scene of Girls Next Door, they shot like this like 
kind of open-ended scene where if she decided to stay, it would have been like, oh, Holly came back. And if she decided to leave, it would have been like, that whore cheated on me and went with Chris Angel. But said just to like make sure the audience, if anyone could like pick up on it, she would always be wearing like a Chris Angel like hoodie at the in the last season. Oh yeah. I want to go back and look at that and look for that. That's hilarious and petty. Yes. And I thought that was so smart. Yeah. She was really smart. She was so smart. Even watching Girls Next Door the first time around, you could tell. And I think that's why she, I feel like she was the most popular one. And it was because you could tell she was sort of looking at everything with like a side eye. Like she was sort of like, yeah, this is the mansion. Like this is what we do. Can you believe it? You could tell. I used to think she was quiet. And now that I'm older, I'm like, oh, no, she was so like observant. Hmm. Yeah, she was like, she knew what was going on. She knew it was so bizarre. And she was funny. Like she had like a really good, like, low key, like dry sense of humor, I feel like she did. And we're over here thinking like, oh, she's just like a quieter bimber, bimber, bimbo. No, she's literally, <laughs> she's an icon. I like bimber. That's bimber. Good. Oh, I, so now she's getting a divorce from her husband. Oh, she yeah. married. Yeah, she married the guy from Electric Daisy Carnival, but she looks freaking amazing. Like, I watch her YouTube videos now, and I'm just like... So good. She's beautiful. She really is. I really... She aged so beautifully. I mean, she's still young as hell, but she looks amazing. Yeah, she does. And I just want everything good for her in the world. Me too. Me too. I feel like her book wasn't like... I don't think she um, talked down on anyone too badly, I think it really was just like her experience of like, oh, no, at those time, I did think that like they were like the biggest meanies around. So I'm not mad. Yeah, you're right. It makes me sad that her and Kendra. Well, Kendra hates her because Kendra's over here. Like, I remember when the book came out, she like tweeted like, oh, she doesn't want you guys to know that, you know, like she does extra things like in the bedroom. I thought that was so funny. Yeah, she Kendra was like simping for Hef, though. I she. That ruined Kendra for me when she was right. saying such mean things about Holly. What was it that actually made them stop being friends? Did it just like gradually stop? They just never like liked each other. I think they liked each other during like the show more when the show was happening because um, she does mention that her and Kendra were both kind of like excited. You, they both loved like um, waking up early and sightseeing and things like that. So they had that in common. And I feel like that was kind of like the show kind of pushed them all to like become like cordial with each other. Yeah. How funny is it that their lives were so like controlled and boring that their hobbies were like waking up early and sightseeing. Yeah. I mean, if it's the most I could, I would be able to do, I would love waking up at like 6am and like just being outside fresh air away from that little pissy mansion. I know. And her little closet that she lived in. Oh my God. Yes. Oh, I just, Oh, I wish her and Kendra were friends, but she says that the last thing that Kendra said to her was like, we were never friends. Stop talking to me. Like it sounded really immature too. So yeah, Kendra seems like I obviously you can only tell from like the book and the show, but she definitely seems like a really hard person to get along with to me. She does. She does. And the fact that she had her wedding at the Playboy Mansion, that was the weirdest thing ever to me. Yeah, and had Hef walk her down the aisle. No, Hef forced that. Like, I'm pretty sure Kendra wanted, like, I think, 
her dad or somebody to walk her down the aisle. And Hef was like, oh, no, I need to walk because it's still being like televised. Hef still needs to make his appearance and make it seem like, no, look, we're on like the best of terms. And I think that was hard for Holly because now when Holly wants to tell her story, it's going to be like, look at the other girls. They still love Hef. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's so twisted. Mm hmm. Well, Mina, thank you so much for coming on and talking about this. I'm so happy we did it. Me too. I'm so happy that I randomly saw on your Instagram story that you were reading this book. And I was like, oh my God, I've been, I've been looking for someone to talk about this book on my podcast for like year for like over a year. It's such a good read. It is. It's such a good read. It's a short read. And also if you like audiobooks, Holly reads the audiobook and she does Hef's voice. She does voices. Oh, I can't wait. Oh my God. And I'm going to watch like her YouTube channel tonight and like see what she said about the book. Yeah, it's really good. And it's so cute. She's amazing. I'm happy she's getting like her flowers. A lot of people are reading it now. Mm -hmm. And she's going to only be looking like better and better with time. Do you know what I mean? Like in terms of like history will definitely turn on Hugh Hefner and start supporting Holly. I think this book is going to get really, really popular in the next few years, even though it did really well when it came out. I think now when people like review his life, this book is definitely going to be something that they take into account. Definitely. Yeah. Even whenever he died, it was like a lot of people brought up this book. So yeah. It's yeah, great. Sure. Anything that you want to promote or like anything you want to say to the listeners before we sign off? Oh, um, I don't have anything to promote at the moment, but um, yeah, if you guys check out me and Molly's Instagrams, we're really cute. <laughs> really, really cute. Just that. Okay, perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you, Molly. It was so fun. Some people think Diva is a diva to you. Would you say, are you one? I never said that. Diva behavior. Hey, great, uh, great gowns, beautiful gowns. <laughs> of course, I don't trust you. Diva behavior, the podcast. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary Freaknik: The Wildest Party Never Told about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.